Welcome back for another episode of the Juice Moves Podcast. We are here today with Oriel Inslet. Oriel is a fisherman who's fished all around the world, caught all types of animals, been on the news, newspapers, and so much more. Thank you, Oriel, for joining us for this episode. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Kiva, thank you for having me. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. You know, it's uh, it's amazing to have you here. And I'm curious, you know, to talk about fishing. You know, how does somebody get into fishing and, and what's it like? So I feel like each person has a unique story. But for me, it started when I was two years old. Um, I actually became quite literally hooked on fishing. The first time I ever went fishing, my grandmother took me to a bay in West Hampton. And, you know, she told, she was casting the rod. She was putting the She was putting the rod out into the water. And she told me to move back because um, when you cast, you have to put the rod back behind you and you swing it forward. And there was like a giant hook on the end of the line. Obviously, as a two-year-old, I didn't listen. And on her first cast, she actually hooked me and, I ha- and like, there was a giant hook coming straight through my two-year-old chin. So my family jokes, you know, ever since then, I've been, lit- I've been quite literally hooked on fishing. Wow, it's a cute, cute pun. And, you know, we'll discuss more of those steps, but I'm curious to jump a little bit ahead. How do you get into fishing for sharks and stingrays and such other sure. creatures? Um, you know, as I as I progressed in my fishing um, my career and I gained more experience, you know I feel like a lot of people have a have a fascination and, and obsession with sharks, and um, you know a couple of years ago I actually saw a video on YouTube of a guy black tip H catch um, a big shark off the beach, in Florida and I just thought that was so cool, you know here you are fishing from the beach you don't need a boat you don't need all this fancy stuff just a rod a reel, and you're catching you know six seven eight foot sharks off the beach. So that, you know, whenever I fished, especially I do a lot of fishing on the beach, that was always something that I always wished I could do. Especially within the last two years, I've been able to bring my dreams to fruition. It's, uh, it's really cool. And, you know, when you go fishing, you know, what's it actually like? What's the prep behind it? Do you have to buy new stuff every time, different stuff, going places, you know, tell us about it. Right. So, you know, most people think, you know, you start fishing when you get to the spot. But in all honesty, you know, you start fishing probably the night before or at least a while before in terms of your planning. You know, you have to figure out where you're going, not only where you're going, but what time you're going and when you're going. You have to take into, especially if you're fishing in the ocean, you have to factor in tides, the moon, all these different things, weather. So just in that alone, that's that's a lot of work. And, um, you know, those are things that are very, very important. In the beginning of my fishing career, I guess, um, I, did, I did a lot of fishing. I didn't do that much catching for, for many, many years um, because, you know, I was still learning about all these different factors. Then there's, you know, what bait you're using, the different types of gear. But um, I think something that was very important and, like, you know, instrumental in my, I guess, success now or, you know, being able to catch fish now is that um, when I started, I started using um, very, very, I guess, cheap gear. Somehow I made that gear last pretty, pretty long. And when you're using gear, again, when you're using stuff that's not very, um, that's not very good, you know, it's it hones the skill within the person. And not only that, but it kind of lets you appreciate, you know, gear and, and, ex- and expensive equipment when you get a little bit older and you're able to afford it. And uh, I guess you, you kind of jumped to the topic already, but you know, when you're, when you're fishing for such big animals, you know, what's advice you would give every fisherman? What's advice I would give every fisherman? Well, first of all, um, I would tell you, you know, make sure you're watching your rod. That's, that's very, very important. Um, I've heard stories of people, you know, losing their rods and gear and stuff like that. But something that I would, you know, more, more serious advice that I would tell you is, you're not going to catch fish your first time, your second time, or even your third time, you know? And every time that you catch, that you don't catch something, I feel like you learn more than when you do catch something. Because whether it's your patience, you know, skill, you know, you, you come back and you feel dejected, so you go and you do more research into the spot or to the sport, things like that. You know, when you don't catch, you learn just as much. And I would just tell you someone to keep on going and keep on going because that's what people told me when I was younger. 
And literally, there would, there would be, there were, I remember years in second and third grade, I went a whole year without catching a fish. And, you know, at one point I was ready to give up, which, um, Baruch Hashem, I didn't. But just to keep on trying, and just like with most things in life, eventually it'll work out. That's pretty uh, pretty interesting. It's good you stuck through, and you know, sticking through the bad days usually leads, as you mentioned, to good days. And I'm curious, looking at all the good days, what's one highlight, you know, from all the years fishing and all the things caught? If you had to bring back one moment, what would it be? So I think one moment, you know, so far the definitely the most famous moment and probably my best moment of in my fishing career so far would have to be um, last year when I caught a um, six-foot uh, sandbar shark off the beach in West Hampton. The story actually starts a couple of days before. Um, and it's, it's funny, but you, you wouldn't think that, you know, tzedakah and davening and things like that have much to do with fishing. But I'm telling you that it has everything to do with it. Um, we were away for the weekend, for, for a, an early weekend, starting Thursday. We um, drove out to Long Island, to West Hampton Beach. And um, that, that whole week leading up to that, to the time when we started fishing that Thursday, um, it hadn't been good weather. The fishing was not that great. And, um, you know, I was with my little brother and we started fishing. And um, on the way out, I saw an ad or something for Meaningful People, I mean, for Meaningful Minute. And I decided, you know, like, let me buy someone a sponsorship. And I sponsored, you know, $50 towards a minute. I didn't think anything of it. And um, also, I just have to, like, point out that catching big fish off the beach, especially, you know, sharks and stingrays, especially is very, very hard and pretty rare. And especially in New York, where these fish are not native, it's it's something almost unheard of. It's a Dover Nifla. So um, we were fishing and we were using eel for bait. And all of a sudden I look, my rod is just slammed down. Looks like it looks like it's about to break. And I'm screaming like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Avia, my little brother, grab the rod, grab the rod. And we're fighting this fish for like 20 minutes, half an hour. And finally we bring it in and it's a four foot stingray. And I was so happy. I was I was through the roof. I couldn't believe it. You know, my hands were shaking. I couldn't even get the hook out. My, my Everything was shaking. I couldn't believe it. Up, that was that was like the most insane thing I ever done in my life, and we released it, and I didn't think anything of it. The next day, you know, Friday, I decided, you know I was so happy and I was still so excited that I caught that fish that I decided to give another fifty dollars towards um, sponsoring someone in on a meaningful minute. The next after Shabbos, you know I prepared my gear and I wanted to go very very early in the morning Sunday to go to the beach and try to catch something else pretty big. So, you know, I woke up early at four in the morning and um, I went to the beach and it was pitch black and I had two rods with me and I, you know, I cast another piece of, um, another piece of eel out. I'm waiting and waiting and an hour goes by and nothing. All of a sudden I'm holding my rod and I feel a little nibble. So what you have to do a lot of times when you feel a bite is you want to rear back on the rod really hard. You want to, you want that hook to penetrate into the mouth of the fish. You know, the bite was very subtle. It didn't feel big at all and all of a sudden my rod is just bent over and I feel like I'm attached literally to a train it's just going and going and going and this thing I have no idea what it is is by far the biggest fish I've ever I've had ever hooked in my life I didn't even know what it was at the time it pulled you know 300 yards of line out of my reel and you know for half an hour and 45 minutes I'm going and going and we're fighting and fighting this fish I still don't know what it is all of a sudden you know the sun the sun starts to come up and I still have, and I have this fish, you know, very close to the beach, very close to landing it. And I still don't know what it is. And all of a sudden I see a dorsal fin through the water and I couldn't believe it. I thought for sure I was seeing things. You know, I, I guess people don't understand how rare this is and how, how insane it was for me. Imagine someone having a dream of, you know, catching a fish off the beach. I always thought it would happen in Miami, in Florida, somewhere else. But of all places, Long Island, New York, 
And there I am at 5.30 in the morning with a, with a six-foot sandbar shark attached to the line. And I didn't know what to do. I had to call people over to take the rod. And finally, you know, I was able to get in the water and grab the thing and bring it onto the land. And you know, I took the hook out and sent it back. But the story doesn't end there. Um, when I came back home, I was, I was through the roof again. I couldn't, it was crazy. You know, this was like probably the best week of my life so far. And, you know, as a, as a, as a side thought, my grandparents were like, you know what, why don't you send this, um, why don't you send, um, this story to, to some news outlets? You know, I sent to Fox and CBS and all these different people. And, you know, next, the next day is, is Monday morning. I think it was the, it was the first day of school. And, um, you know, we finished davening and I'm wrapping my tefillin as I zip my tefillin closed, my phone starts ringing, and I get a phone call. Hello, who is this? Hi, this is Jennifer McLogan from CBS News. Um, we saw your story, and I, I couldn't believe it. You know, first the stingray, then the shark, and you know, just to be cute and funny, I sent it to CBS, and here I am, an MTA, with, uh, you know, just finished Monday, Shachris, and I have a phone call, and then later an interview with uh, CBS News. So that, you know, that story would have to be the highlight of my career so far. That's a, that's a pretty exciting story, and you know, I'm sure that not every time you go fishing now, or even even with uh, uh, tzedakah before or, or after, but I'm sure there are times you don't always catch a fish. You know, sometimes you go to the same place and you can catch a shark or two or a stingray, and you can go to the same place the next day or the week before and not catch it. So I'm kind of curious. You know, when you're sitting there all day not catching anything, and when you're driving back, you know, during successful days and non-successful days, you know, how how do you deal with the emotion and how do you make sure that you don't get too high on the highs or too lows on the lows? Right. So I think something very important to remember is that. At the end of the day, everything's up to Hashem. And if you want to catch, you're gonna, if Hashem wants you to catch, you're going to catch. If He doesn't want you to catch, you can be doing everything everything in the world that you, you know, everything you can to try to catch fish. You're not going to if, if He doesn't want it. So the way I deal, I guess, with the time is, you know, now I bring a safer with me or I listen to, I listen to Shear or I listen to Jewish Schmooze, different things like that. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, like when I'm when I'm when I'm going out to fish, whether it's driving or walking out to the beach or you know, driving out on the boat, I um I dive in a lot actually, um and coming back also I, I you know I dive in thanking Hashem for fish that I catch or having a good time, so I think that you know if you view fishing or if you view anything in your life as you know something that you're doing your ishtadlos and the rest is up to Hashem, then you know you there's not you can't really get upset. Or you know, come home dejected and 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 feel you know that you failed, because at the end of the day, it's not you, it's Hashem. So when I you know, of course, and everyone would probably agree, you would rather be successful, you would rather catch fish or something like that. But you know, if you're not, if, if you're not supposed to catch, you're not supposed to catch, and there's always the next time and the time after that. So it's a very good perspective, and I'm uh, I'm curious. You mentioned in the very beginning that you literally got hooked on fishing, you know, as a young kid. And now you're more experienced, and naturally it would seem that you don't get hurt, but it seems as if the level of, uh, of danger increases, maybe not from you casting or worrying about other people casting, but from the sharks you're literally dragging in and out of the water and the stingrays. Is there a concern you get hurt, and what do you do about that? So honestly, um, actually, my mother bought me um, a long thing to take out the hooks from the sharks, because up until now, and I went out um, last week with a couple of friends, and we caught some more sharks off the beach, um, it it is pretty dangerous. I'll tell you honestly, when I when when I see a shark in the water attached to my line, I everything else in my head goes out, and it's just the shark. So yeah, probably if, if looking back, it's kind of crazy to you know to to jump into the water and go swimming and and try to bring in a, a six foot shark. It's even crazy, you know, you know, to when it's on land, jump on top of it and and wrestle it down. 
take the hook out of its mouth with your fingers or with a you know a little pair of pliers. But honestly, in the moment, um, I don't really think about that. It's more about the fish and some and and uh, and just you know get getting that catch in. Um, I'll tell you that you know I tag for an organization called um, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and um, recently now, like I've um, we have to put these tags into the into the sharks, and they help with the research and determining how many fish are, are in the area and stuff like that. So there was I had one close call where um, I was on top of a shark and taking the hook out, and you have to be careful with the smaller ones more than the bigger ones. But this thing just you know went crazy and was like turning and flipping, and I'm still I was still on top of it, and you know Baruch Hashem I didn't lose any fingers or anything like that. But um but yeah it could be scary it could be could be a little bit dangerous. If you want to be successful at anything, or if you want to have a good, or, you know, if you want to have a good time, there has to be a certain level of risk. I would say that you know, with most things, you shouldn't take too much risk. But uh, I don't know, I'm trying to be a little bit more careful now, and uh, hope to continue catching lots of fish. You hopefully you do continue to catch a lot of fish, and you know, looking back at the fish you caught, so we mentioned the stingray sharks, the the smaller fish I assume you caught. What what do you think are some of the coolest animals you've caught? And uh, and briefly, maybe for some of them, why is it those that are so cool? Yeah, sure. Um, so some of them, some of the fish I'll mention are, you know, big ones and, and things that are hard to catch. Others are, you know, very, very, um, you know, very, very in- insignificant fish in and of themselves, but it's the story behind them that, you know, makes them so dear. So I'll tell you the first thing that comes to mind is, um, is you know, the, um, the, the Alaskan halibut that I caught with my grandparents. Um, for my bar mitzvah, my grandparents took me to Alaska for, on a fishing trip for a week. And, you know, we took out from um, from pomegranate, we brought like tons of food from pomegranate, we froze it there. And just, you know, spending that time with them fishing and, and being in Alaska was um, was amazing. And, it, you know, that, that halibut, we, we caught a bunch of fish. We came back to New York, I think, with 100 pounds of fillets. But there was one, you know, the last fish that we caught while we were fishing was this um, halibut. It was, was the biggest one of the trips. So that would be have to be something that stuck out to me. A halibut is like a very, very big flat fish. Um, similar to a fluke, if anyone listening knows. One other fish that would have to stick out would probably be um, probably be a fish that you and I caught together. I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years ago we went to Cooper's Pond and we caught. We had a crazy day and we caught a bunch, a bunch of carp. Happens to be that that time that we went, I think, was the first time that I caught a carp from Cooper's Pond. You, we mentioned earlier in the in the podcast about um, you know trying and trying again and not being successful, but eventually you know being successful. I think that before I went with you, I had been to Cooper's Pond at least four or five times before that and had seen the carp. These carp are these fish that swim on the surface and you're able to see them from all over the pond. And I could see them. I would, they, they would come up and nudge my bait, but they wouldn't eat four or five trips, you know, hours spent there, nothing. And, you know, we came out, you and I came out together and we caught maybe five or six of those carp together. And it was amazing. You know, that's another fish that sticks out. You know, the carp is not such a, crazy fish. I've caught bigger carp than the carp that we've caught. But, you know, that carp, those carp that we caught together symbolize, you know, the the waiting and the and being patient and, you know, finally being successful after times of not being successful. Curious, you know, I remember at your bar mitzvah, you had a, you, you had a fish uh, incorporated in your logo. And I know that at some point in high school, you had a blog about fishing, yep. which I'm not sure if it's still up, Ingrid de Pesce. Yeah, it's, but, it's uh, still there if someone can find it, but I, I haven't posted much on it. And since. and I know I know you now sometimes post you know highlights on YouTube, and yeah. you, you operated a brand for a little bit. How do you how do you set lines or, or incorporate fishing into your life? And 
maybe, you know, I know to some extent it sounds like fishing is part of your life, but how do you, how do you keep time and organization and everything else all clear? Right. Um, so a couple of things. First of all, fishing is part of my life, just like Torah and my family. I think that you have to remember, I guess, that, you know, family comes above everything first. But there is a closer second after Torah, of course, that Torah is first and family. But, you know, a little bit further, a little bit behind that is, um, is fishing to me. It's, it's not just an activity. It, it's, it's, a, it's a way, I guess it's a way of life that my family has kind of adopted with me. And, you know, that's how we bond together through fishing. We have memories. We, that's, that's, you know, that's how my family hangs out together. Um, how do I balance the time between, between different things? I think that, um, you have to set your goal. You have to come up with, you know, hard goals and not goals that are in the future, you know, in five years from now, but just think, you know, things that are, that you can, you can kind of sort of touch out, you know, reach out and touch and reach things like that. And, you know, obviously you just take into account the different goals and things that are in front of you and you have to make a cheshbon, you know, which, what do you think you can accomplish with your time that you have now? What do you think you can push off? What do you think will not get done if you push off? Things like that. Um, I'll tell you honestly that for me, um, with, with this thing that I started, you know, Water's Edge Fishing, which I'm gonna, going to unfortunately be stopping for a little bit because I'm going to Yeshiva now. But, um, you know, it was, I started it during COVID. It was a, it's an online um, Shopify store. And, um, you know, for, for literally a month, every single day after, after Yeshiva, that's what I would do. I would go and I would work on this website and, and, you know, I taught myself how to code and all these different things like that, how to ship and stuff like that. And that's, you know, I literally focused on that. I didn't fish at all for that month. You know, when things are important to you and, you know, they're with you know, they're tangibly, you know, you realize you can reach them if you work pretty hard and reach them within a certain, you know, with a close amount of time, you, you put a lot, a lot of energy and a lot of effort into it. And especially if something's dear to you and you feel like you, you know, it's very special and, and you enjoy doing it, which in my case is fishing, it almost doesn't feel like, like it's a, you know, it's a chore or it's something that you have to do. For, you know, no one told me to go and make this website. No one really told me to go and start selling gear on eBay and things like that. It was it was another extent of the fishing, and it's something that I love. And to me, you know, the the motto of you know if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your, and you never work a day in your life. That was that was something that I was experiencing because you know the gear and and the chase and the hunt and things like that. For me, that that's 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 what I love about fishing. And here I, and there I was, you know, um, making money with that. So that was something that was very very fun. And at the you know there wasn't really like. Um, I had to set aside different things, you know, I had to set aside time for family and time for fishing, things like that, because I was working on it with my family and my mother was helping me because she has a website, uh, Lauren Klein, you know, Lauren Klein Julie and things like that. So I think through everything that has that I do in fishing, my family kind of, you know, um, grows together and we, we work through things together. My family is a very, very close family. And, you know, between things like that, I think that I'm able to, you know, do multiple things at once and have different things together and Baruch Hashem, they work out. So it's very good that it's all worked out and we hope you uh, can continue to work it out. And, uh, you know, to wrap it up with uh, two or three more questions, you know, you mentioned you've gone fishing in Alaska, which is uh, usually a colder place. You've gone fishing in right. New York and Miami, you know, all different weathers on, sometimes on boats, sometimes not Israel, on boats. Yeah. Israel, so, you know, for, for, for beginners or people who want to go fishing once or twice, you know, with someone else or... By themselves. By the way, I'll, inter I'll interrupt you. Um, I actually started taking people out. It's, it's a very, very rewarding thing to teach someone something, whether it's swimming, fishing, things like that. So, um, yeah, I'll get a shameless plug here. If anyone is looking for someone to take them out in the, you know, the tri-state area, Muncie, R Riverdale, New York, Teaneck, Long Island, different things like that, um, 
O-I-N-Z-L-I-C-H-T at gmail.com. You know, people want to get into fishing. They have all these questions about uh, equipment and other things, and we've, we've discussed some of that already. But I'm curious, as someone who's fished all around the world in all different types of places, on boats, not on boats, you know, is it all the same? Or for someone who's beginning or wants to go on a, a one-time boat charter, you know, it, it, does it make a difference if it's ice fishing, boat fishing, land fishing? Uh, well, what do you think? Yeah, um, so I would definitely say if you're going to start out, definitely go to freshwater. Freshwater is, you know, your local lakes, ponds, rivers, things like that. Um, those are, a lot of times they're stocked with fish, with meat, which means that the government um, puts fish in there every every year, every other year. Um, you know, generally they're smaller fish, but um, they're easier to catch. And, you know, it happens to be my first experience fishing was in uh, saltwater. But I would definitely say, you know, start with freshwater, start in your local rivers, ponds, things like that, and going for, you know, it's like on sunnies, bass, things like that, even carp. Um, but yeah, I would say start with uh, freshwater. And to conclude the podcast, you know, you've, you've literally been on the news, interviewed by by these big uh, stations. I'm sure you've spoken to other people and they hear you're into fishing and on the podcast. But, you know, even though so many questions have been covered throughout your life, there's always questions that you've wanted to be asked or you've asked yourself that you've never actually been asked. So looking back... At all the interviews and conversations and fishing trips and non-fishing trips, what what's a question you've never been asked that you wished you were, and what answer would you give? Uh huh. That's a very very good question, and that's a very very good question. It's not it's not that um it's not as much that I wish you know there were certain questions that um I wish people asked me, but it's more um happens to be I think you know I I know a couple of fishermen in the Orthodox Jewish community, but um other than you know those one or two people that I have in mind. You know, the Orthodox, I don't know that the Orthodox Jewish community has that many, you know, hardcore extreme fishermen. I know plenty of people who, you know, fish on the side for fun and things like that. Um, I know it doesn't answer your question, but um, one thing I would like to see, I guess, or I wish that there were more of was other people like me, you know, you know, Shomer Shabbos, Orthodox, Jewish guys, you know, who who were uh, hardcore fishermen, whether, you know, shark fishing, fishing in the ocean, fishing in, in you know, lakes and stuff like that. Yeah, I wish there was more of a of a chaver. Meaning, I've happens to be. I feel like a rebbe. You know, I have lots of Hasidim who are who are fishermen. You know, my friends and people in my community and my neighborhood and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, I kind of you know felt a little bit lonely growing up in the sense that you know I was I was there by myself. It was only me. Besides for my uncle and my and even my grandmother who you know taught me a little bit. You know, for the most part, I was I was there by myself. You know, I I'm a self. I'm for the most part self taught reading, watching videos online, things like that, trying, going out, spending time on the water, countless hours. So, you know, um, yeah, I just, I would love to see in the future more orthodox, you know, hardcore Jewish fishermen. That's uh, it's very nice, and uh, hopefully we could see it. And thank you for taking time through the interview, and uh, good luck in your future endeavors. One other thing before we go, um, you know, I just, I like kind of, I like, I love having the sport of fishing in my life. You know, it's, um, you know, what, there's like people say today, you know, people are spending more and more time on their phones and indoors and, you know, on, on the internet, things like that. And I think, you know, fishing is, you know, just a great way to, you know, to get out, enjoy what Hashem has in this beautiful world to offer. And it's a healthy way, you know, it's, it's just, it's a clean, safe, healthy way of to get out and enjoy and not, you know, spend time on your phone and different things like that. All right. So, uh, I guess a plug for fishing, a plug for fishermen in the Orthodox Jewish community. Um, thank you again for taking your time and uh, can continue that slaka. Um. Thank you for listening to this past episode of the Jewish Moves Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you want to get updates or ask us questions, make sure to check us out on Twitter at Jews underscore schmooze. You can also find us 
on any podcast platform. Thank you so much again and hope you're looking forward to the next one.